Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and your moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, September 5th, 2021. The sheer ID numbers for Friday, September 3rd are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,685. That's 17685. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,686. That's 17686. This morning, A Vision for You presents page 25, the page of hope. Inside our big book, the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous, page 25 is found in Chapter 2, entitled, There is a Solution. Page 25 shouts the good news. Yes, there is help. Yes, there is hope. There is a way out of King Alcohol's mad realm. Our situation is not hopeless, far from it. There is hope, but that hope lies outside ourselves. As the big book says, we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. But where and how were we to find this power? That search is an undertaking that will lead us through the 12 steps. The 12 steps, as outlined in the big book, represent a process resulting in a spiritual awakening, a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery. What distinguishes the 12-step process from self-help programs is that this change is done to us, not by us. We agree to let God build with us, cooperating with his grace, rearranging our attitudes, ideas, emotions, thoughts, and beliefs. Through the process of the 12 steps, we become less and less interested in ourselves and more and more interested in what we can contribute to life. Yes, page 25 certainly shouts a message of hope and possibility. A new life, miraculous indeed. Joining us today to bring page 25 to life is Terry A.H., a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. Terry is both a student and a teacher of the big book, and it's with great appreciation that I welcome Terry to the line this morning. Good morning to you, Terry. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Terry A.H., and I am a recovered compulsive eater from Maine, and um, just want to thank you, Leah. I'm really, really excited to be here with everyone this morning, and um, I'd like to, you know, first, before I, I, I begin my share, you know, just to welcome the newcomer and anyone that struggling or returning or, or coming back, um, you know, and before I get into the title today, page 25, 
I'd like to just share a little bit about myself for those who don't know me. And um, I really had to find out, you know, my truth through this process in order to get to page 25. And I'm um, so grateful that there there is a solution today. But, you know, I struggled with... Um, I struggled with this disease for a long time and I didn't know that it was a disease from the, you know, just from the beginning. I I had it on a moral issue and I thought that diets would, you know, really resolve the problem. And I uh, got a little bit of abstinence back in um, 2000, um, probably around 90 days. And I had reservations right from the start. um, And I knew that, uh, I just knew that I wasn't going to stay in program. I had the food plan. I was losing weight because that's what I thought it was about, was, you know, losing the weight and, you know, be good to go. And I had the food plan and, uh, you know, I, I, uh, on the 89th day, I decided, you know, it was time to leave. And that's exactly what I did. I left program. I had my food plan. You know, I, um, you know, I, I was, again, I was losing weight, so I, I thought that was what the program was all about, and I was good to go. And I will tell you that um, a month later, uh, after being out of program, I picked something up that was not on my food plan, and that one thing took me on a four-year binge. And um, so I totally identify for those that are struggling or, or don't feel like they can get this. Um, but, the, you know, I, I'm here to tell you today that there is hope, and you know, it was, I came back in um, uh, 2004, um, July 10th. I'll never forget that day. I was coming home from work. And um, for those that do know me, um, yeah, and for those who don't know me, I worked in a bakery department for 28 years. And, you know, every day was a struggle going into that place of employment because I was surrounded with my binge foods and I had no solution. And um, I remember coming home, you know, July 9th. And um, just binging that morning, um, I had to be to work at at, uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I had to, uh, you know, every morning I'd wake up and say a prayer, you know, God, this is going to be the day. Please help me get skinny. You know, uh, please help me stay away from my binge foods. And, you know, at 4.30 I would leave from work. And at quarter five I was at my first binge plate getting getting something to, um, you know, get me to work. And then before I got to work, I would stop at another convenience store to make sure I had enough staff. And then when I got to work at 5 a.m., I would go up in the break room, hit the vending machines, and stash my pockets. And that's what my daily my daily life looked like. Um, I just knew that I, I, I couldn't stop once I started. And um, and I, I remember coming home that day. I, I, I had hit a few more convenience stores on the way home. And I just remember saying to myself, I, I pulled over to the side of the road because I, I just could see myself, you know, I was eating without my permission, and, and that's how I like to describe it. You know, I, I like to describe, you know, step one, like, you know, it was it was fun. Um, it was fun at first because I thought I could eat like normal people, and then it was fun with problems, and then it was just problems. And so I remember coming home that day, and I pulled, pulled you know, along the side of the road, and I broke down in tears. I was just I, I I just was broken, you know, broken to the to the piece where, you know, that you just you know you want to do something, you just don't know what to do, but you'll do anything, even if it's standing on your head. And I remember just pulling over the side of the road and bawling my eyes out and just saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I'm killing myself. Please, 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 just help me. I'll do anything. And I remember coming home and uh, I uh, 
called called a compulsive overeater that I knew that was doing the deal, and um, she told me to meet her at this meeting the next day, and that was my abstinence day. It was July 10th, um, 2004, and and I haven't found it necessary to pick up any of my alcoholic foods, and I'm so grateful for the solution. But what happened for me was um, that I didn't do in that first, you know, 89 days was I didn't work the steps. And I always say, you know, just putting down the food, you know, um, and going to meetings and not working the steps is like painting over rust. It looks good on the outside, but underneath it's still rust. So I could I could go to meetings and I could pretty myself up. I could look nice. Yes, I was overweight. You know, um, I wore a lot of black because, you know, they told me black made you look thinner. And um, that was a delusion because it really didn't make me look thinner. And, and so... I just remember meeting with that 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 person um, at that meeting, and um, she uh, offered to sponsor me, and uh, we began to do the work. And I had to really, really sit down and um, be willing, open-minded, and um, really just just get out of the way. That's what I really had to do. I just really had to get out of the way and, and let her guide me. And and that's exactly what happened. I put everything aside. You know, we we learned about the set aside prayer, and I I set aside everything that I thought I knew, and you know about myself and about you know the program and about meetings and just about everything. And we sat down with the book, and um, we we began to open the big book. And you know, I I had sat in the rooms, you know, beforehand, you know, many years, and said said to my, you know, I would I would announce myself, I'm Terry, I'm a compulsive overeater, but I didn't know what it really meant to be a compulsive overeater, I, I knew that I was eating too much, and, and that was obvious. You know, I was 249 pounds when I got here. I was busting out of a 20, size 24, but I really didn't know what it meant to be a compulsive overeater, to actually suffer from a disease of the mind and body. And powerless over food, you know, what does it really mean when I'm powerless over food? You know, that, that they talk about the phenomenon of craving in the doctor's opinion, and you know, so what that really looks like, you know, what I what I learned when I sat down with this guide is a couple of components, and and one is choice, and one is control, and and what I'm looking at in the doctor's opinion is is control. You know, um, once I take the first bite of my alcoholic food, you know, can I stop? And for me, the answer is no. So so he's telling me that I, I have this allergy of the body, which which means every time um, any of those alcoholic foods get into my system, my body begins to, to do something that's called a phenomenon, which means it, it, it can't be explained, right? You know, I, I, I didn't even know what's going on. I mean, I, I can tell you that that four-year binge, when I picked up that, that food um, after 89 days, I, I could tell something was going on in my body that I had never experienced before because I'd never been abstinent. But I knew when I picked up that, that alcoholic food, Something ignited in my body, and um, I could feel it. I couldn't explain it, but I could feel it. And so, you know, I learned. I learned in the doctor's opinion that, you know, um, that I have this allergy. That once I put any alcoholic foods into my system, it sets off the phenomenon of craving, and it, it compels me for more. And I, I can't predict, and I can't control once it's in me. And and for me, you know, I had to ask myself, you know, did I ever, you know, did I ever run in slow motion to, to my binge food? <laughs> and, you know, I laugh at that that question because, no, I never did. I was I was a compulsive overeater that was opening cupboards when there wasn't anything there. I was opening the refrigerator. And if you can relate, you know, and this is about identification, 
you know, I, I would think that there'd be a little man behind the, the refrigerator in the cupboard that was going to put something different in there every time I opened it. And surprise, there was nothing, you know, nothing there but the same thing. And, and that's the definition of insanity. You know, um, we hear in the program the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, my definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and knowing that you're going to get the same results and doing it anyway. And so, you know, um, you know, he talks about uh, that, you know, that I suffer from, you know, this, this illness and that I'm so grateful for the doctor's opinion because without the doctor's opinion, the, the rest of the book would not make sense. And, you know, once I put it in, you know, I, I want another and, um, you know, I would have self-talks with myself, you know, or, you know, or I would, I would say to myself, you know, that um, today was going to be different, you know, I was, you know, it would be different, you know, I'd go into the bakery department you know, and I would, you know, just have a good day and, and just not eat those binge foods. But on my own power, I saw that I couldn't do it. And, you know, I'm not one of those people that, you know, says to another person, you know, that that eats like me, you know, I, I don't say to them, hey, I'm good, you know, or I don't need another. You know, I'm not one of those compulsive eaters that that, that says that. Like, I don't know what good is. You know, I don't know you know, when I'm, when I'm full, you know, even to the point where I'm, I'm feeling sick, I'll still, I'll, I will still compulsively overeat because I'm going to want another and another and another, whether, whether I want one or not, you know, that's, that's just the gist of this baffling nature of my disease. And, you know, this need to stop and not being able to put down the, put down the, down the food or, or the brakes. I can't, I can't put the brakes on, you know, and I just can't do it. You know, it's just not my truth, and it's just not going to happen. So I have this craving. You know, I have to ask myself the question, you know, did I ever get enough? You know, and the answer for me is no. I never got enough, you know, uh, in my system. Never, I was never able to, you know, use my alcoholic foods in any form at all. None. You know, not even uh, not even to play with it a little bit. Like, I, I it's, even, if I, even if it's a, something that, might not have the substances that I can't have, and it looks like that thing that can also set me off because I'm trying to I'm trying to be normal. I'm trying to look normal, and that that means that once I know what I keep running to, you know, I must abstain entirely. You know, and you know, he talks about you know uh, men and women, you know, eat essentially because I like the effect effect you know through food, and you know, I never ate for the taste. It might it might have been for the taste for the beginning. But um, you know, it was it, it never was for the taste. It was always for the effect, and uh, that effect was, you know, to push down the fear or to push down what was going on in my life that I couldn't deal with. And you know, I I have a husband that's not a compulsive overeater, and you know, we are totally two different people. You know, he can just stop. He can have a half of a, a whoopie pie and just put it down, and you know, and I'm I'm just kind of shaking my head and baffled. You know, like, how do, how do you do that? Like, how do you do that? And he's like, what do you mean, how do you do that? It's like, you just do it, you know. And he says, you know, he doesn't understand my disease, and, um, and that, that's okay. But he respects what I do because he knows he's seen me at my top weight, and he knows that I'm, I'm, I'm committed to my program, and he knows for me um, it's life or death because it is. And, and so I, I really had to learn about, you know, my, my first step truth. And so, you know, you know, I learned in the doctor's opinion, you know, this, 
there's all kinds of things, you know, throughout the book before we get to page 25 that um, I'm not going to go through every page, but, you know, I made this list of things, you know, as I was taken through the book and as I take others through the book, you know, the things that can't keep me abstinent. Um, and, you know, in, in Bill's story, you know, that it, it talks about, in the doctor's opinion, you know, the things that can't keep me abstinent are, you know, me, doctors, um, people, frothy emotional appeal, human power in my mind. And then I learned a story, you know, the things that are not going to keep me abstinent is good intentions, success, failure, high abilities, firm resolve, renewal or resolve, sincere promises, self-knowledge, fear, family, friends, medical science, even a desperate de- desperate desire. And then there is a solution, the things that can't keep me absent, the psychiatrist, you know, uh, human resources, you know, willpower, choice, consequences, common sense, ill health, falling in love, change of environment, warning of a doctor, dreaded in- insanity. And then more about alcoholism, the things that aren't going to keep me absent is, is Definitely willpower, self-knowledge again, keeping on guard, choosing, remembering the consequences, or making up my mind, quitting altogether, sound reasoning, intentions, desire, self-discipline, necessity or wish, inability to control, mental defense, human power, or a long period of sobriety, or a long period of abstinence in our case. Um, and so I learned that, you know, um, none of those things are going to keep me abstinent today. And I really had to really find co- find comb through this 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 book about the things that were no longer working for me in order for me to, um, you know, to accept a, a spiritual solution, which you know is one of my favorite pages, which I'm I'm going to get into now on page 25, and. Um, this is the page of hope, but I like to call it the page of hope because this is where, you know, I have to see my first step truth in order to know that there is a solution, you know. So I go from hopeless to uh, a lot of hope. And so if you want to join me on page 25, um, uh, this is one of my favorite pages. It says there is a solution. And I like to say, you know, after that, thank you, God, that there is a solution. And that's a promise. It's one of the promises before we get to even page 89. It says almost none of us like the self-searching, which is, you know, this is all about the steps. And this is, you know, the self-searching is steps four and five. The leveling of our pride, which is six and seven. The confession of our shortcomings, uh, which is, you know, the process is, you know, the process is within. Uh, the process is in 12 steps, which is the process required for accessible consummation, which is completion or finish. But we saw that it really worked in others. So this for me, you know, I saw that it worked in this woman that I had called with desperation. I had the gift of desperation. And I saw that it worked in her. And I saw that it worked in others in program. And I, I continue to see that, you know, and, and hear that on a vision for you, that it, it, it continues to work. And that's why, you know, it, it gave me hope to see that even though I felt broken, I felt hopeless, I felt like I was never going to get this, I felt like I was just going to continue to relapse, that, that you know, this, the lie that I told myself that, you know, this was always going to be the way. I could see it working in others. And I figured if it could work in others, why couldn't it work, work in me? And I remember that guy sitting down with me, and she said, you know, Terry, she said, 
she said, all you have to do is try the experience, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and we'll argue the results at the end. She just said, you know, try the experience and we'll argue the results at the end. And, and, and what she was saying was just to be open-minded and, um, you know, just, just let her guide her, guide me, you know, in, in this way of this process. And I, I could do that. Says we had come to believe in the hopelessness and the futility of life as we had been living it. And so I, I remember, you know, just coming in like, you know, I asked myself, you know, how, how is my life looking? You know, and even today, you know, how is my life looking? You know, abstinent. You know, am I just abstinent and not working the program? Or, or, you know, with as many years that I have, am I just sitting back and, you know, saying that I'm good and I don't need to continue to do this because I got this under control and, you know, I got this down pack? And, or am I really moving? I always say, like, am I moving closer to step one or am I moving further away from step one? And, yes, we do move through the steps, but I have to stay close to my step one truth. Because if I get away from step one, then it's, I'm going to be in trouble. And and not so much with the physical, um, because I know, like, once I put my alcoholic foods in my system, what's going to happen. But mentally, I will, it will, my, my obsession will come back because of the spiritual malady, which is, you know, that restless, irritable, and discontent that lies within me. And it, it's my disconnect from a power greater than myself. And once I get disconnected, it will drive the obsession back to my my binge food. And so I know today that um, that second half of step one where it says, you know, our lives have become unmanageable, they're not talking about the outside circumstances. They're talking about the internal condition, that when I'm separated from this power greater than myself and I start running the show and I think I have, I have this together and I think I can, I can do it on my own power, that's when I'm going to get in trouble. And, and so I know, like, today how important, you know, to stay stay close to step one. It says, when therefore we were approached by those who, whom the problem had been solved. So this is, you know, this is really about what it was. It's like we're here to help each other. Um, I, I love working with others. I, I love helping other compulsive overeaters get out of the, the, the pit of darkness, I like to call it. And, you know, um, you know the, the acronym that I have for God is Grace Over Darkness. And um, because it, it is. It's such a grace that that's over darkness that I once lived. And um, it says there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at our feet. And why do they say that? Why do they say, you know, you know, to, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple, simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at our feet? You know, if, if you look at, um, in order for a power, uh, you know, uh, any any kind of power, power drill or, or anything that has power that you have to plug in, in order for it to work, it needs to be plugged in. So this is me. I need to plug into this power greater than myself. And the reason why they say pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at my feet is because I have to bend over and pick up the big book because it is a program of action. You know, page 20 talks about, um, it says, uh, um, it says you may already have asked yourself why it is that all of us became very ill from drinking, or in our case, from compulsive overeating. Doubtless you are curious to discover how and why in the face of the expert opinion to the contrary. We have recovered from a hopeless condition of mind and body. If you are an alcoholic or a compulsive overeater who wants to get over it, you may be asking, already asking yourself, what do I have to do? So it doesn't say, what do I have to know? 
doesn't say, what do I have to understand? What do I have to comprehend? It says, what do I have to do? So it's a program of action. So I have to bend over and pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at my feet. And that's the big book. You know, that's the big book. I have to pick it up and do, do the rest of the work in order to recover and get the promises of, the, of what the big book tells us. It says, we have found much of heaven and we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. And I, I just happen to, I love that, that paragraph because, you know, it's a spiritual realm within. And, you know, we, we don't talk so much about, in Overeaters and Honest, about the triangle and circle, but in the big book, they, you know, there was, it was once in there in the third edition. And I always have plenty to put it back into the book because it's just a good, really balanced, to see where you are in all three sides. You know, the, the, the bottom is the recovery. You know, the left side is unity. And then we have the right side that's the service. And the unity is found in the 12 steps. And the, um, I mean, the recovery is found in the 12 steps. The unity is found in the 12 traditions. And, and, and going to meetings and then the service part is, is carrying the message and, and working with others. And, you know, and if I'm in balance in all three areas of that triangle and circle, if I put a dot in the middle of that circle, that's the fourth dimension. That's the fourth dimension to me because it, it's being it's being rocketed into the now. It's being in it's being rocketed into the power of this 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 power that that's going to keep me uh, keep me on the right path and and to really help others get out of that pit of darkness. And so, you know, the fourth dimension is is a pretty special place to be and um, it, it gives a lot of hope and for me I use this triangle and circle because um, you know if someone's feeling squirrely I always direct them back to this to see the, where they might be you know maybe lacking you know in over the anonymous we talk about they talk about the three-legged stool and that's kind of what the triangle and circle is you know if you're if you have three legs three legs on the stool and you only have two you know you're pretty wobbly but if you have one you're eventually going to fall off so I always like to go back to this to see where you might be struggling because you might be, do, be doing too many meetings or, or you might not be working with your sponsor or not, you know, revisit the steps or you might not be working with others that are carrying the message. So this is just a good balance wheel that I, that I always like to go back. Um, it says the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have a deep and effective spiritual experience. And so, you know, we go back to the appendix in appendix two and we, we learn about you know, um, we we just learn about the spiritual experience. It can happen slowly or it can happen quickly. You know, it depends on the person. And, and you know, the, the good news is they're both the same. It doesn't matter how you get there. You just get there. And um, it says, which have re- revolutioned our whole attitude towards life. So I'm having this whole new attitude. You know, I'm not, it's no longer about me. It's about work. You know, it's about us. It's about turning my, my inward self out into the world and, you know, having this relationship with the power greater than myself so that I can have a relationship with others. It says to, towards our fellows, you know, so I, I get to really put my focus on helping others because that's the whole gist of this book. It's like I always like to say, like, you know, somebody took me over the rainbow and I got this pot of gold and that pot of gold was having this relationship with the power greater than myself. Now my mission is to come back to the beginning of that rainbow and take somebody else over that rainbow so they can get that pot of gold and have a relationship with a power greater than themselves so they can help others. And that's how this, that's how, I'm a visual, so that's kind of how I look at my program. It's nothing but a program of rainbows. And um, 
and I love to just, I love to be of service. I love to, to help others, you know, experience, to have an experience of their own, their own, you know, power, power greater than themselves because that's, that's what this journey is all about and towards God's universe. So I get to help God's kids. You know, I get to help my brothers and sisters today. And, you know, it's, it's such a blessing to, you know, to be able to experience the love of God so that I can share that love with others. And, you know, I have this saying that I say, live in such a way that those who don't know you but know God will, be, will come to know God because they know you. And that's what this program is all about. It's not about pushing and shoving and, you know, it's not pushing it down someone's throat, but it's about being loving you know, uh, and just really speaking the truth about how serious this disease is, but also allowing that person to, you know, and, and meeting, where, meeting them where they're at and, and allow that person to experience, you know, their own journey. And um, I always say, like, when I'm working with others, you know, I tell people I'm not, I will not be a problem solver, but I'll help you get to the problem solver because I can do God's work, but I can't do his job. And so I've learned that, you know, my only mission is to help you through the 12 steps and um, everything else, you know, everything else is between you and God. It says the central fact of our life today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And and the whole theme of this book, when I went, I go through the book many times, um, I, you know, I, 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 I try to work the steps once a year, uh, six months to a year, it depends on where I'm at with, I'm in a few fellowships, and um, and the reason why I do that is because it, 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 to know my first step truth, to remember my first step truth, but always to go deeper with this God of my understanding, and and so when I went through the book, you know, the whole theme of this book, I mean, once you really get into it, and it, it's like this little man in the book that keeps pointing things out to you, and, and you get to have new experiences every time, and and I remember the last time I went through, you know, um, this whole theme of the book, um, it, it, it was amazing for me, my experience, because, you know, this piece right here, it says the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And that word into is throughout the book. And I, I just, I'm not going to go to every page, but I, I'll just share the pages with you. And, and where where that's found, because it is an inside problem. I have an inside problem with body and mind, right? But it's also an inside solution, because that on page 55, it tells us that's where God lives in each and every one of us, deep down within, right? Deep down within, each and every one. There's a power greater than thyself that wants to really allow you to have this great life. And so, you know, on page 8, you know, it, it talks about in Bill's story, he says, I was soon to be catapulted into what I'd like to call the fourth dimension. So there, there again, he talks about that fourth dimension. On page 11 in Bill's story, he talks about here was something that worked in a human heart, which has done the impossible. So that's where God lives, right? He does, the, he does the most wonderful things that we never thought was possible. I mean, to to be in the food one day and to be out of it the next day, isn't, isn't that, when you call it, you know, nothing but, you know, um, human, hum, humanly impossible and just, really a miracle of God's, God's grace. And then again, on page 11, you know, Bill talks about, I saw that my friend was more inwardly or reorganized. So he's not talking about the external. He's talking about, you know, he sees, you know, he sees Abby, you know, just this changed person, you know, and it's, it's nothing that he has on the outside. It's all inwardly. 
And so, you know, he, Bill talks about that, that inwardly, you know, uh, transformation that he saw in every. And then again on page uh, 13 on the bottom, you know, Bill talks about I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. And so, you know, he's not saying, you know, he's got to go searching and finding God because God is right there. God is, God was, God is within each and every one of us. And he knows that in order to get there, that is, you know, he, the mission is to work the 12 steps. And then again on page 13 in, in Bill's story, he says, I was to test my new thinking by that God consciousness within. So again, I always say if you always go within, you'll never go without. You know, and whenever I'm feeling insecure, I go in to get secure because that's where God lives. Because my my insecurity was always based on the outside, you know, always trying to get people to do or, you know, do for people you know, so that I would get that security. And, and what I found through this process is it's an inside, it's an inside problem, but it's also an inside solution because that's where God lives in each and every one of us. And then on page 16, and the last piece on Bill's story, he talks about faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. So that that's my that's my daily reprieve. Like I I have to be connected, you know. And if I'm not connected, then it's it's just not. It's, the end result is never going to be good, and um, and I'm so grateful for you know the the latter steps because I I get to see where I fall short all the time. Um, you know it tells us that we're going to make mistakes, but the gift for me today is I know that I'm not a mistake. I make mistakes, but I'm not a mistake, and that's the difference for me today. And then um, you know where it talks about. Um, you know, into is on page 25 in the middle. You know, it says we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension. So it's mentioned again, the fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. So I don't get rocketed outside. I get rocketed inside because I have this relationship with a power greater than myself. And, you know, I, I want to do good today. You know, I just want to do good for others today. I want to be of maximum service. Like the book asked me and tells me that. As long as I do this, I can be of maximum service to you, and to, you know, to God and to my fellows. And then we agnostic, you know, page 50 at the bottom, it talks about in the face of the total failure of the human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction flowed into them. So that's all an inside job. Like their, their happiness and their peace wasn't coming from the outside in their sense of direction. They were actually following that sixth sense that that we talk about in step ten, you know, that God consciousness. And now by following that, they get to, you know, I get to today, you know, do the same. You know, I, I have this I have this new power, this new power within me that's going to help me go outward, you know, to and and experience this inner peace and this inner happiness. And um, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful process. And then on page 55, it says, we found the great reality deep down within us. And that's such a beautiful statement because it's, it's nothing that I have to search for. I, nef- I don't have to go looking for. It's right there. It's just, it's, it's, I don't, you know, if I haven't worked the steps, you know, and I'm in step one, it's just I don't have access to it. It doesn't mean that it's not there. It's just I don't have access to it. It's there. It's, it's not God trying to get in. It's God trying to get out. You know, it's trying to get out to help me to be of maximum service to him and to to my, my fellows. And then on page 72, you know, down at the top, it says we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and discover the obstacles in our path. It doesn't say on our path. It says in our path, which is the resentment, the fears, 
you know, my sex conduct, you know, um, my attitudes, my behaviors, all those things that are that are obstacles. You know, I, I get to I get to have this new relationship with with my creator or the power greater than myself or God of my understanding. And then the last piece that they talk about into is on page 85. It says, we have begun to sense the flow of his spirit into us. And it's such a beautiful statement because that's what it's all about. It's having this relationship within. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just been a blessing that I, I have this connection today that I want to share with others. And so let me continue. Um, it says, he has commenced to accomplish those things for which we could never do by ourselves. And isn't that the truth? You know, why is it that, you know, um, why is it one day I'm, I'm in the food and the next day I'm out? Or, one, or why is it one day that I'm in the food, you know, I, I in the next day, you know, I, I have this willingness like never before, like the desperation of, of a, a man drowning. You know, I have this desperation that I'm willing to do anything. And I always say, you know, the willingness, you know, there's two things that you can't give somebody, you know, and that's the willingness and a power greater than themselves. Those two have to come from within. And um, it's it's my gift of desperation. And then the last paragraph, it says, if you were seriously alcoholic or compulsive overeater as we were, we believe there's no middle of the road solution. And why do they say that? So I'm a visual. So if, if you look at somebody standing in the middle of the road, what's going to happen? They're actually going to get hit. Right, so they're telling me that I that I there's no half measures. There's no there's, that I can't do this middle of the road. I can't just go to meetings. I can't just um, you know. For me, it was like they told me to that I could define my own absence. And for me, I can't do that because <laughs> because that's just it's not going to look it's it's just not going to look pretty at all. Because I I can tell my I, I lie to myself. I'm in you know I'm I'm a delusional thinker. You know, and I, I'm I'm a compulsive I'm a compulsive liar. You know, when it comes to food, you know, you can tell me I can have uh, one apple, and I'm going to go to Whole Foods and buy the biggest apple, even if it's an abstinent food. You know, that's how dishonest I am around food. So there's no middle of the road solution for me. It, it, it really, for me, has to be someone else's someone else's way, someone else's way that I don't, that I don't know. I've never been there, but I'm willing to to really trust that person, for them to hold a lantern for me, to guide me through this journey of the unknown is like what I like to call it. It says we're in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we had passed into the region from which there was no return through human aid. So I, so I shared about that, you know, about the human aid. You know, I listed all those things from each section. Those are all human aid. And I saw that, you know, there was no return, even through all those those trials and tribulations that on my own power or on anyone else's power that I couldn't get abstinent and I couldn't, I couldn't experience the, the life that I experienced today. It says we had two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end. And that means going on doing it my way, you know, going on that journey of death, going on that, that just that road of, of not happy destination by any means, by that, that road of destructiveness blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation, meaning ignoring, you know, what I know or what I, what I don't know, ignoring that and still doing it the way that I think that I need to do it or I want to do it and, and not being open-minded. It says, um, 
you know, best that we could, or the other was to accept spiritual help. So, you know, they're, they're giving us two options, to go into the bitter end, blotting out my intolerable situation the best that I can, meaning keep doing it my way, or accept spiritual help. And if I think there's another way, it's really the first way. It's really to go on to the bitter end because there is no other way. It doesn't say and, it says or. You know, uh, it doesn't say, you know, uh, there are two alternatives, one to go on to the bitter end, blotting out our consciousness of our intolerable situation the best we can, and the other is to accept spiritual help, or, you know, to do it this way. It doesn't give us an or. It gives us an and. So there's only there's only two ways, and if I think there's an or. It's really the first way, because there's nothing after the spiritual help, and that's really what I had to come to know that um, there's a there's a power that wants me to live. There's a power that that loves me enough to help me with my problem. And then the last um, sentence it says this we did because we honestly wanted to, and there was and there and we were willing to make the effort, and so that all about the willingness, all about the willingness to know that there is a solution. The solution is not me. It's outside of myself. Like Leah, you know, started off, uh, you know, this, this title of the topic that lies was outside of myself and that I need to have this connection with on a daily basis. And that's where the hope comes in, that I, I have this, this, this power greater than myself today that's, that's, that's putting me on this, this, this trial of just happiness, you know, this this trial of happiness and peace and serenity and, and goodwill towards towards others and and that has been my my whole journey um with this process and um with that I I, I just I can't say enough about, you know, the page of hope because that's where you know, that's where it all begins and, and um it it just continues on a daily daily basis for me and um um, I'm so grateful to be here with everyone this morning, and I want to thank Leah and, and everyone for just um, allowing me and giving me the opportunity to be of service this morning to you. And um, and I, I, I will end there, Leah, so thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Terry, for this beautiful presentation this morning. Thank you for your thoroughness and thought-provoking share. Much appreciated. The share ID for today is 17,693. That's 17693. Terry's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so you'll need to stay tuned for that. And we will now transition to question and answer segment. If you have a question for Terry, you can press star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Abby S. Abby S. Liz D. Liz D. Carla C. Carla C. Karen K. Nancy L. Nancy L. Anyone else? Star one, none mute. Okay, well, let's get started with this group. I have Abby S., Liz D., Carla C., Karen K., and Nancy L. If all could please mute. And we'll begin our questions with Abby S. 
Abby S. Your turn. Star one to unmute. Abby. Hello, hello. There you are. Sorry, I was talk. I was talking and I was muted. Um, mm-hmm. Hello, thank you so much. My name is Abby S. I'm recovered in Michigan, and thank you so much, Terry, for your beautiful share. Um, the question is, what is your relationship with sponsees once you get through step twelve? Um, thanks so much. Hi, Abby. Thanks for the question. Um, so I do it a couple of different ways, um, and I give the sponsee, um, you know, the option that once we finish the 12 steps, you know, I do like to take them through the 12 traditions. Um, that's something that we don't really talk about in Overeaters Anonymous, but I think, you know, for me it's really important that it's, it's the, you know, part of the triangle and circle, the unity piece, not only meetings, but to learn about the traditions. And so I take them through that, and I also give them the option that, you know, once they're through the through the traditions, you know, if that's something that they want to do, um, I just um, ask them, there's two things that I do. I, you know, I ask them, you know, to to just kind of check in maybe once a month um, with me if, if they're continuing to want to continue to work with me so that I can continue to work with a newcomer and that I'm not, because when I'm working with somebody, I work with them on a week-to-week basis, but when after they've been through the steps, you know, that's that's no longer needed. And um, they also have the option to move on. I also, you know, give them my blessings if, if that's something that they, they want to do. So there's a few options that I give them. There's, there's no set way that I do it, but um, I do have some options if, if that's what they, you know, um, we have that discussion when I when I read my sponsor ideal to them at the end of the 12 steps. And um, and that's how I that's how I do it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Abby, for your question. Liz D., your turn. Liz D., star one to unmute, please. Okay, I'm Liz B., from Quebec. Sorry, I was talking, muted. Thank you, Terry. My question is, when you guide someone through the steps, do you always do it through the big book? Let's say someone who never did the steps before, uh, do you guide them to the big book or or what you know about the steps? Thank you. Hi, Liz. Thanks for the question. Yes, I I do guide them through the big book. Um, That's really where I found. And not that, you know, I will say that not that any, there's there's many methods, you know, to work the 12 steps. And, you know, I have have worked many of those um, others. But for me, um, what I found works best is to take someone through the big book because it's it's so laid out so beautifully. And um, it's, uh, it, it doesn't take, it doesn't, it's not a long, long process, you know. Um, and that's that's been my experience. It works best for me. And thanks for the question. Thank you, Liz. Carla C., your turn. Good morning, and thank you so much for your um, insightful, timely uh, talk this morning. I wanted to ask you about how you process God's um, removing your character defects uh, right now, I believe that I'm going deeper or higher or whatever because it's 
it's um, very intense. How I breathe, I'm pausing. Can you tell me in your life what it's like as um, your higher power removes your character defects? Thank you. Hi, Carla. Thanks for the question. Um, so my defects, um, oh, how do I want to explain it? So I don't really... I don't really ask God to, I, I, so how do I want to say this? I do ask God to remove the defects, but I let go of the outcome. Like, I don't, I'm not in the bargaining, um, not in the bargaining field with God about which which defects go and which, which are left. Um, I get to say, see on a daily reprieve, you know, where I fall short in step 10, and I get to look at that in 11, and then I get to bring that to 6 and 7. But I don't, I don't, it's not like I, I take it to six and seven, but it's not like I, I say to God, this has to be removed. And you know, um, I just trust that God, God will do His, God will do His work, and God will do His job. And um, I just have to be aware of what, what you know, what hasn't worked for me in that day. Then I just get to ask, keep asking God and really letting go of the outcome. It's, it's been my experience. It's, that um, I just have to be aware of, of what keeps coming up and what I need God's mm-hmm. help with. And that's been my experience. Thank you. Um, I hear you saying the willingness. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Carla. Karen Kay, your turn. Thank you so much for your show. My name is Karen Kay from Syracuse, New York. Um, what stood out to me in your share was um, when your your husband seems to be a normie, like he just couldn't, couldn't get it, why he could just, you know, there was a whoopee pie or something, which I was trying to remember what that actually was. But anyways, how did you transition um, being married and having the alcoholic foods in the house? And what obstacles and what solutions do you have to offer? Thank you. So I'm getting married next month. And not my food is in the house. I've done the mantra, not not my food. He's very supportive of my recovery. So any obstacles and challenges that you did uh, when you got abstinent and how you maintain that and, and the relationship? Thank you. Mm, thanks for the question. Uh, great question. Um, yeah, I know it's, it's pretty difficult in the beginning, um, especially when you're trying to get abstinent and you have somebody in the house. But I've just learned, you know, going, working, working the 12 steps and, and learning in step 12 and experience in, 12, in the 12 steps that I, I can go anywhere as long as I'm spiritually fit, right? Like I worked, you know, I was able to go back into that bakery department on a daily basis. You know, not not only live with someone that that eats normal, but to go into a bakery department that is surrounded by that, that, that you know, the, the food every day and, and the difference was for me before was I was never connected. I was never bringing God into that place of employment and and working the twelve steps. It says we can go anywhere as long as we're spiritually fit. And even living with somebody that doesn't doesn't have you know what I have, um, I can I it's just I just know today like where that food. I know my first step truth that I know that um, if I pick up that alcoholic food, I know where it's going to take me. I, I know. <laughs> My husband and I have a joke about it that, you know, because he always says, you you want half, you know, you want the half that I don't, that I'm not eating. And, you know, I just look at him and I said, if I, that would not be enough, first of all. 
And second of all, we'd probably be in divorce court because you would never have any binge foods in the house. And um, so uh, he knows, he knows, he knows my, my first, he knows my truth and I know my first step truth and I can go anywhere. And, you know, I just, you know, I have to remember that it's not my food. Um, I have my own food. Um, and if it's not on my food plan, then it's, it's not on my, it's, it's not mine. So that's, that's kind of how I, that was my experience and how I did it every day. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Karen K. Nancy L., your turn. Good morning. Good morning, Terry, and thank you so much for your wonderful share this morning. You mentioned that every six months or every year you go through the 12 steps, and I was just wondering, um, are you sponsoring someone through the 12 steps at the same time? That's my question. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Yes, I am. Uh, so when I work, when I work the 12 steps, yes, I am. I'm always working with others. Always. Um, I do my own work, and and I will tell you, I got caught up in that before, where you know, I was thinking that taking others through through the 12 steps was working the steps myself, and and that that's a delusion for me. Um, it may work for others, but it did not work for me. That yes, that's the, that's the whole gist of this program is to take someone through the 12 steps, but I also have to have my own first step truth, and you know, I have to. For me, I have to. Go, I, I I choose to go deeper with the 12 steps, and um, and that's been my experience. Like every time, I work the 12 steps myself while I'm taking others through the 12 steps. Thanks for the question. Thank you, Nancy L, for that question. Who else would like to pose a question to Terry? Star one to unmute. I need your name, including Barbara E. Ten W eight. Wendy B. Sherry M. <clears throat> Kathy K. Sarah C. Freya H. Judith R. Bethany B. Okay, I missed a few here. I have Barbara E, Ken W H, Kathy K. Then I missed somebody in there. Uh, Sarah C, Freya H, Judith R, and Stephanie B. Who did I miss? Wendy B. That's it. Thank you, Wendy. Okay, so this new list consists of Barbara E, Ken W H. Kathy K, Wendy B, Sarah C, Freya H, Judith R, and Stephanie B. That's ample. Let's begin with Barbara E. If everybody else could please mute. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone, and happy holidays. Thank you for your beautiful share. I learned so much, and thank you, Leah, too, for your constant service to our group. My question is this, when you work with a sponsor, do you work with her every day? Do you give her an assignment to complete? Or do you work with her several days a week and say, when you finish your assignment, and don't dawdle please, call me up and we'll get right down to work. How does it work for you? 
Do you give them podcasts to listen to? Do you include the 12 and 12? Or do you just stick to the big book? Um, That's my question. And again, thank you so much on this beautiful day. Thanks, Barbara, for the question. It's a a really good question. I I, I really, there's no right way, but I, I will share my own experience that I meet with sponsees once a week. Um, I do have questions for them that um, the program that I work, we turn statements into questions. And so they do have an assignment each week. Um, But I also read my sponsee ideal to them that if their assignment is not completed that we don't meet because, um, you know, it's really about their willingness. And um, so, uh, you know, if they if they if they don't complete their assignment, then there's really no point to to meet. So um, they do have an assignment, and then they read their answers to the questions, which is pertaining to that chapter. And then I read that chapter to them, you know, turning you know the word alcohol into food or, or whatever they're you know they're, they're, you know whatever they're struggling with, you know, whether it's um, overeating or, or undereating, and so that the book comes alive for them and they understand. You know what what their disease. You know what the really the first step is, and 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 so you know they. I might give them extras, but that's really. I don't overload. You know when they when I'm first working with somebody, I just don't. I don't overload. You know I I I just really keep it simple for them because my mission is 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 to stick to the book, and so that the so that they can have a spiritual experience, so that they can help others, um, and that that's really. You know, kind of how I I really work with others is that we get right into get into the solution so that they can have a spiritual experience and um, be a be a maximum service to God and to others. Thanks for the question, Barbara. May I interject then one more question? Because you say you work with them once a week and you have them answer questions and then you read the whole chapter with them. How long does that time, that time frame take, that one meeting a week, if you're reading the whole chapter and having them answer questions too? So, so the, way that I, the way that I do it, Barbara, is that I, I break the chapters up so we'll, we'll read the whole doctor's opinion. So I give, them a, I give them an hour, an hour and a half a week, depending on the chapter, but there is a solution, you know, Bill's story, I break up into two sections. I read the first one through eight, one week, and then nine through 16, the second week, and then there is a solution. I break that up into two sections because from the doctor's opinion up to page 29, uh, up to page, um, uh, the top of 20, uh, uh, I think it's 29, uh, could be incorrect, um, we talk about the physical. And then it goes into the mental. So I like to break it up into the sections so that we're that they're really clear about, you know, the physical is up to page um, the top of 23, not 29. Uh, page 23 is where the physical stops. So I stay in that with them so that they understand the physical aspect. And then we go into the mental, and then we go into the spiritual malady, which is the second half of the first step. So um, so that's how I do it, and I can share more with you off the line if you're interested. Thank you, Barbara, for your question. Ken W.H., your turn. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Terry, uh, for your share this morning. 
<clears throat> I uh, fully embrace your comment that you cannot define your own abstinence. Can you uh, expand a little bit about well, on the process that you had to go through to come to an understanding of the abstinence you have today? Thank you. Thanks. Great question. Yes, for me, um, you know, when they because I didn't know the gist of my my disease. You know, I I, I had it on you know just a, a kind of a diet thing. You know, I I entered I entered the rooms really early on. You know, but I wasn't I didn't know and I didn't stay and uh, again you know it wasn't until 2000 I I got the plan. But before that, you know, they said they told me I could define my own absence. So for me, what that looked like was okay. I'm not gonna I'm not going to eat a whole pizza. I'm just going to eat. I, I laugh because it, it, that's where I was. I'm not going to eat. I'm only going to eat a half a pizza. I'm only going to eat two slices of pizza. Not knowing that the pizza was setting off the phenomenal craving. Or, you know, I'm going to try to not eat pasta, but I'm going to you know, substitute it with, you know, um, something that has flour in it, you know, and not knowing, again. So for me, I can't define my own absence because, I, you know, it's like trying to fix, fix a broken mind with a broken mind. Like I, I can't, I can't do it. So it wasn't in, until I got a food plan that, you know, that, that kept me, you know, abstaining from the the things that were, that were setting off the phenomenal craving. Nothing changed. So, um, for me, defining my own absence does not work because it's it's like trying to, it's it's almost like going to another compulsive overeater and asking them what, what to eat. And it's like if I don't know how to eat. Why would you ask me? That's, you know, and I found, for me, going to a nutritionist that knew about the disease really helped. So thanks for the question, Ken. Yes, thanks, Ken. Kathy Kay, your turn. Thanks, Leah, for all your service. And thank you, Terry. It was great to hear you this morning. Um, I wonder if you could share a little bit more about how you began to develop your relationship with a God of your understanding and also how you suggest your new sponsees do this. So are there particular disciplines that you suggest um, or do you just simply let people find their own way? Thanks. Thanks, Kathy, for the question. Nice to hear you. Um, so for me, it was like until I actually worked the 12 steps, you know, I didn't have access to this power. So that's why I love about, you know, really step two, because it's it's not about, you know, defining this power or having a relationship with this power. Because in step two, I'm not really, I don't have access to this power until I do four through nine. So it wasn't until I got through four through nine that I could actually access this power and have a relationship with this, with this power greater than myself. And so... I don't, um, you know, it, it's kind of impossible to do if you if you haven't worked the steps or, or you know, you're you're just learning about the twelve step process to have a, have a relationship with this God of your understanding. All step two is, you know, just it's all about is just coming to believe that there's a power that wants you to live, and that's really as simple as simple as that, you know. And um, you know, I, I suggest responses just to pray, you know, to to, you know, keep away from whatever, you know, is pulling them towards their next binge food. You know, for me, you know, I, I pray to keep, God, you know, help me just stay away from flour, sugar, 
know, any kind of any kind of uh, crunchy, salty, you know, because everyone's different and ovary is anonymous. But for me, I, I just, I continue to pray that on a daily basis because I have to know what keeps keeps me going back to that thing that I can't stop. So, um, and that's, that's really, I mean, I, I don't tell them they have to believe or, or you know, um, there's really, everyone has their own journey. And it's not for me to come in and tell you what your journey is supposed to look like. You're supposed to have your own experience. And that's really about um, just, again, guiding that person through the 12 steps so that they can have access to this power. And that's been my experience. Thanks, Kathy. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Thank you, Kathy Kay. Wendy B, your turn, star one to unmute. Yeah, hi, this is Wendy B in Arizona, and thank you so much for the service that you do. And um, you mentioned that you personally go through the steps every year, and you're in several 12-step programs. And I was just wondering if you use the big book in your other programs too, or do you other use other literature? Thank you. Hi, Wendy. There are a few fellowships that I don't use the big book um, because they ask us not to, so I respect that. So each group, you know, each fellowship is, is different, and some, you know, they a lot of fellowships have their own literature, so um, uh, they don't always approve of the big book. And, um, you know, if I could do every program with the big book, I would, but um, that's just not, not all the cases. So I respect each fellowship on, on what they ask. So that, that's been my experience. Thanks for the question. Thanks, Wendy B. Sarah C., your turn. Thank you, Leah. Um, this is Dara C. from Delaware, and thank you so much, Terry, for your share this morning. I was hoping you could talk to me a little bit about um, the very first time you sponsored, your very first sponsor-sponsee relationship, and any tips or advice you have for someone who's just going to start sponsoring for the very first time, maybe something to avoid or things that worked well um, your first time? Thank you. Thanks, Dara, for the question. Um, it's really a great question. I, I think it's Everyone's concerned once they've worked the 12 steps because um, it can be, you know, my experience has been it, it can be scary because you don't, you know, you think you have to do it a different way. And I just remember my guide saying, all you have to do is pass on what was given to you. Like, you, you don't have to recreate anything. Just share your own experience, strength, and hope and take somebody through the book like I, you know, I took you. And, and, and that was really, it was it was pretty simple because I like to complicate things. And, but one of the things that's been really helpful for me was um, to create a sponsee ideal. And a sponsee ideal is like the sex ideal, you know, um, everything that, that you need God's help to do that you can't do on your own power. And so what I do is, you know, when I'm working with others today, because I've learned through a lot of experience of what not to do and trials and, you know, trials and mistakes that I've made along the way and, so a sponsor ideal has really helped me to get clear on act exactly what I'm doing um, 
and that kind of like the cards are out on the table and I don't have, it's not wishy-washy and I'm not people-pleasing and, you know, we're just clear on, on what, what, you know, what I'm about to do to help you get through the 12 steps. And so I, I read that to um, anyone that I work with before we start the work um, so that um, if there's any questions beforehand, you know, they have the opportunity to ask. Um, if they need clarity, um, they get that so that when we continue to work through the 12 steps, there's, there's just there's no misunderstanding or, or, or they're not coming to me and saying, you didn't tell me that or I didn't know that. Like, I'm very clear on what I do, and the sponsor ideal has really, really helped me. The other thing that I do, too, Dara, is um, I give sponsees six questions to take into prayer meditation before I start working with them. And this has been a really helpful tool um, just to see where, where people are. And it's really like I have them sit with those questions for three days, um, you know, to go in sync with the third step. This is what was um, given to me. And it really works. Um, and I have them sit with those uh, those six questions for three days in consideration. And, and I ask them to email those answers back to me on those questions on the third day. And because um, we're turning everything over, you know, in those three days. And I'm also sitting with them, too, in those three days to make sure that, you know, uh, that I can, I have the time to, to work with somebody that I'm not just saying yes. And then finding out that I don't have the time because I, I didn't get quiet and I didn't get connected to power greater than myself to really um, see where I am. Because I, for me, for me, you know, my experience is that, you know, that I, I, work, I, I work with others in a lot of fellowships. So it's like I don't even pay attention to what I do sometimes. So the three days helps me to slow down too and get grounded. And, and so I'm not just coming from a place of ego and saying yes that I'm really getting connected with God to see if I can, you know, because it, it, it's really about being fair to, fair to the person that's asking me to. And so they mail, they email those questions back to me, and then, um, you know, we, we, uh, I read them my sponsor idea, and then we move forward. I tell them, you know, what materials to get, um, you know, and um, we begin, we start, probably start the following week after we talk that last time, and um, we get busy. Because when we get busy, we get better, and um, and that has been that has been um, such a such a blessing for me to be really clear on, on actually what I do. So thanks for the question. Great question. Thank you, Dara C. Freya H. Your turn. Good morning, Freya H. Colorado. Thank you, Terry, for your presentation this morning. And um, my question is going through the steps. Um, you know, every every year or so, how does your amends process um, change or develop or how, you know, especially with the people you're close to, such as your husband? Thanks. Hi, Freya. Thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, so the amends process, you know, of course it gets less and less because I'm cleaning up on a daily basis. And, um, yeah, I mean it's it's you know it's, it's ongoing, but the amends for me today is is really especially with my husband. It's it's really it's a it's a daily reprieve, um, and you know I get to clean that up on a on a daily basis. It's not a, it's really not a ninth step amends because I'm um if I'm living in ten, eleven, and twelve, it doesn't have to be a ninth step amends. Is, is what I would say. It's, it's a it's 
it's, and it's going back to my, my spouse ideal. You know, it's about taking my spouse ideal into prayer and meditation on a, on a regular basis and asking God to help me be the woman that I want to be in this relationship. Not who I want him to be, but who I want to be. You know, and where I need God's help to continue to build this relationship of, of love and, you know, um, of, of joy and peace and all that stuff because it, it, it's really me that needs needs changing and I can't do that on my own power. I need God's help. So the, the spouse ideal has really helped me to really live up to, um, you know, for God to mold me and shape me into the woman that, um, or the wife that I, that I, I know that God wants me to be. And that's, that's really, that's really been my experience. Like I, it's not a big nine step amends. It's a, it's a daily reprieve. Um, I will fall short because I'm human, but I get to clean that up immediately. You know, step 10 says, you know, we, we, um, you know, we, we, we clean it up, you know, um, uh, I just want to go to that that page real quick because you know th- this was pointed out to me um, that uh, um, let me just let me just get there on uh, the the twelve steps. Um, it says uh, in, in step ten. Um, oh goodness, I can't find it. Um, here we go. Um, so it says continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. It doesn't say eventually admitted it. <laughs> and that was pointed out to me. It says promptly, meaning now. Like clean it up so it doesn't become a nine. So that's been my experience. Thanks for the question, Freya. Nice to hear you. Thank you, Freya. Judith R., your turn. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Terry. Um Thank you for reminding me um, that about the triangle and the circle. And did I understand? Do you help your your sponsees um, with the traditions as well as with the steps? I do. I think um, you know, for me, my experience, um, and I only share my own experience, but I think the traditions are really, really important um, because without the traditions, we wouldn't have the steps because we need each other. So for me, I do, that's an extra that I do with Swansea's that I take them through the traditions so that they can learn, you know, how important it is um, that we stay united because there's, there's just no room for fighting in the lifeboat. Except at step 10, we've ceased fighting anyone or anything, you know, even food today. So the 12 traditions helps you know, us to not do that. And um, I think it, you know, for me, it's really important um, to share that experience because I have it. Um, and and that really has been helpful because especially if you're part of a group and you're, you're in a business meeting, you know, instead of just giving opinions, you actually, you, you have something to back that up with a tradition. So, yes, I do. And thanks for the question. Thanks, Judith R. Stephanie B., your turn. That'll be followed by Sherry M. Go ahead, Stephanie. This is Bethany B. from Idaho. And I really appreciate your comments today. I got a lot out of that. I have been in recovery for two years, and I have two sponsees currently that I'm working with. And they're both struggling, and I'm having a hard time conveying what I got. My relationship with my higher power is really 
strong and unique. And I have one sponsee who is having a hard time with her concept of her higher power. She wants to know, you know, she wants to have an image in her mind of what this is before she really gives in to working the steps. And so I'm trying to give her podcasts and writing assignments and things to help her define this higher power for herself so she feels that there's some power there. And she keeps telling me, I feel like I'm just making it up. I'm making it up. But that's kind of what I think God is. It's something that we envision that we feel connected to. So I'm I'm wondering if you can address that. How do I help her progress past this point? Uh, thanks for the question. You know, my my answer to that would just be, you know, just stay close to her and not try to try to fix it or or, or convince her that again, it's it's something that we can't give others. Is their their concept of a higher power? And I just know when I work with others and we agnostic, there's 28 places reason to believe, and there's places in the in we agnostics which I take you know sponsors through. There's 28 places where you know talks about where reasons to believe and there's other places that will um it points out where the pro- where this process will hinder the progress because it you know there's places in here where you you'll be closed minded and it just it, the book is so beautifully written about you know um how to really help somebody just see for themselves that as long as this power is loving and caring that's really all they need to know like it doesn't have to look a certain way as long as it's loving and caring. I mean that's that's as simple as it gets and I just know for me it's it's not about complicating it. It's just about believing that there's something out there that, that wants me to live and wants it that is loving and caring and um you know, wants 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 the best for me. And that's it. That's 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 my that's my answer to you. But you know, thanks for the question. Thank you, Bethany B. Sherry M. Star one to unmute. Hi, Terry. Thanks, Thanks. Terry. This is Sherry M. Thanks, Leah. Also, um, the question that was just asked was my question, so thank you for answering it. <laughs> okay, we've covered a lot of You're ground. You're so welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sherry. Well, we have time for one or two more questions. Anything on? someone's mind that hasn't been asked yet. Star one to unmute if you have a question for Terry. Hi, Linda C. I'm sorry, go ahead. Linda C. And who else is there? Shelly D. And Shelly D. That'll be ample. Linda, go ahead, please. Thank you, Leah, and it's Linda B. as in boy um, from Ontario, Canada. My question is, I find it so confusing when um, trying to um, connect, not connect or envision or feel the essence of my higher power, and we refer to it as, in the big books, as our higher power or the God of our understanding, and and I understand how encompassing, you know, it is to have that. And and then when I'm thinking, 
it's a silly question, I know, but the higher power makes it me think it's something that's out there and, and above me, and I go back to that childlike God of this Santa in the, in the clouds, and then deep within. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, which is it? Is it, is it up above me, or is it deep within me, or is it both, or is it just all-encompassing that has no beginning and, and no end? And I... I, I, you know, I just, I wish it was just black and white, and and I guess it's, you know, where is this higher power deep within, or or is it a higher power and it's up there and out there, and um, that's what I'm struggling with right now when I'm meditating and praying, praying like, am I supposed to be going deeper within, or I'm supposed to be going higher, and then I hear the fourth dimension, and and I love you know, thinking of being in the fourth dimension and just looking at what's unfolding in my life as as from my from the God of my understanding's vision so I can have a better perception of of what's going on and, you know, um, I don't know, I, I must sound like I'm confused and maybe I am, but that's my question this morning and I appreciate your answer. Thank you. Thanks, Linda, for the question. Um, my experience is, you know, that not to complicate it, like if it's, don't try to figure it out. Like if it's, if it's working for you, you know, if anything is working for you, then it's working. Like it's, it doesn't have to, for me, it, I, everyone is different. It's, if it's everyone's high power or, but for, for me, it's just something that I know that I can't do, that I can't live this life on my own power without this connection. So wherever that connection comes from, whether it's beside me, behind me, in front of me, above me, it doesn't matter. As long as I'm having that connection, I don't have to complicate it. And that's what I did for a long time. I overcomplicated it. And, you know, what was told to me, which was, you know, which was, it made sense to me um, at the time, you know, if, if this God of your, if my understanding is not working, that I need a bigger God to take this, take this God that's not working and take it to the God, God used, the God used lot and get a different God. And so, so, and that worked for me in the very beginning because I, you know, that, that was my experience. Like I, I had to get a bigger God. And so whatever that was, you know, it was, it, it was mine. And that's what I love about the book because it, it mentions for time our own conception, you know, however limited it is. So when I'm taking people through, you know, I, when I'm working with others, I have this little mustard seed that I laminate on that page where it says, you know, it doesn't matter how, how limited, it just starts with a little mustard seed. And that goes kind of with page 25. It's a page of hope. That's all you need is that little mustard seed. So it doesn't have to be someone else's. It doesn't have to look a certain way. As long as you have a connection to, to, to whatever is keeping you absent. And that, that's as simple as I can explain it for, for myself. So thanks for the question. Thank you, Linda B. Our final question for the morning comes from Shelly D. Hi, I'm Shelly D. I'm in Pennsylvania. Um, thank you so much, Leah, and thank you so much, Carrie. I'm very grateful to be able to listen to you this morning. My question, I'll keep it simple. Um, when you came back in 2004, um, what were some of the things that you became willing to do that you were not willing to do before? And what were some of the things that you became willing to do later on that 
in the very beginning in 2004 you weren't willing to do. And how did you become willing to do this? Thank you. Thanks, Shelley, for the question. Um, so, um, you know, if I had to really sum up that question, it would be everything. You know, I was willing to do everything different. Um, you know, and, and basically, you know, what I didn't do before was, you know, I wasn't wasn't working the steps. I wasn't working the 12 steps. I was just going to meetings and, you know, um, I had a food plan, but, you know, we know as we do this journey that it's not about the food. Um, it's about working the 12 steps. And so when I came in 2004, I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't really care what it was going to look like. I just knew that I wanted to do it. And um, and that's, that's, I was willing to go to any length. And that's part of the questions when I asked Swansea's in those six questions. Are you willing to go to any length and what does that mean to you? Because it is a, a program, it's a, it's a life and death program. And even today, with, you know, being away from the food for as long as I've been, you know, it's it still for me today, like, am I willing to work my program like my life depends on it? Because it does. Like, it really does. Like, I, I take it really serious because this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And, you know, if I'm if I'm off the beat, you know, or off the beam, you know, uh, and I start running the show and managing my own life, I'm in trouble. So I'm willing today, even even still today, I'm willing to go to any length to fill my program and so that I can continue this, this life of goodness. So thanks for the question. Thank you. Thank you, Shelly D. Thanks to all who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you so much, Terry, for your time this morning, your inspiration, experience, strength, and hope. It was plentiful. Thank you very much. The share ID for Terry's presentation, 17,693. That's 17693. And we're going to close now from page 164 in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.